Hello, and welcome back to the Two Button Crew podcast. My name is Glenn, and I'm joined by honorary crew member Nathan Blake of Nathan Blake Games. Howdy ho, everyone. So today we are uh, we have a double feature. We are going to be talking about not just one, but two Sonic the Hedgehog movies. Sonic the Hedge, Sonic the Hedge, Hedges, Hedge, Hedge, Hedges, Hedge Hodges. I, I don't know. Hodgepodge. <laughs> <laughs> Sonic the Hodgepodge. That's that's how we describe the entire series. <laughs> I I agree. It's just. Everything is just such a mess with Sonic, but that's that's part of the reason why we love him. You know, he's he's like a child star from the '90s, really, if you think about it. Absolutely, in pretty much every conceivable way. <laughs> but yeah, we're here to talk about the Paramount uh, Sonic the Hedgehog movies, uh, somewhat belatedly, but you know, better late than never, right? Certainly, yeah. I mean, uh, you know. Maybe this can be in preparation for a third one. You know, kind of split the difference between when the second one came out and when the third one will eventually, maybe? Yeah. I think there's going to be a third one, but we'll get to that uh, when we get to it. So, first of all, we usually talk about our history with a series, but in this case, uh, we're not really... You know, it doesn't really seem right to talk about the Sonic the Hedgehog game series, so instead, let's talk about the history of Sonic adaptations to film and animation and the like. So, yeah. Sonic has a very long storied uh, history with um, with animation, uh, going all the way back to the very early days in the 90s. So, I, I think the first one was The Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, you know, the one with Scratch and Grounder and uh, Dr. Robotnik. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that is the first one. And I only got to see little bits of that growing up. I, I watched a lot of that growing up, uh, mostly from rental stores, though there there was a period where I found out what channel it came on. But it was one of those things that by the time I got to it, you have to wake up at like six o'clock in the morning to watch it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I do remember some days waking up super early whenever I was like sick or something and ending up watching a couple episodes here or there. Um, but I also think that maybe my mom didn't like it very much, probably because Sonic was kind of a butt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely, Sonic was very, they, they leaned on kind of the mischievous rascal aspect of Sonic, and it, I, I think it took a lot of inspiration from Looney Tunes, but yeah. the more nonsensical parts of Looney Tunes, like the, the whole thing was just utterly bizarre and operated on, on the fringes of cartoon logic. Yeah, absolutely, um, they had the whole Toon Force thing going on in that a lot of times, like Woody the Woodpecker or or... You know, something like yeah. That. You know, when you when you put it that way, I, it's it's less Bugs Bunny and more Woody the Woodpecker. You know, it's kind of more of a what is Woody the Woodpecker? Is that like a Tex Avery? No, Tex Avery was was a director, so he worked on a lot of different things. It's yeah. not fair to just attribute him to one character, but yeah, it definitely was um, was the wackier side of things, right? Um, but after that, and I, if I recall correctly, Sat AM, you know, Saturday morning. As uh, I think what that's supposed to be an abbreviation of. Sad AM was the other Sonic series from the 90s. Well, I, I think there may have been one more, but I have no experience with it. Uh, and that one was much more serious. It had kind of, it was more like um, a serialized story where I, if I'm, 
I think some of it was episodic, and I think some of the stories like um, led into each other. Again, that was something I I have never seen that one on TV. Uh, I only yeah. knew it through rental stores. So there's like this whole, and you know, you can only watch the the VHSs that they have at the store, and you know, typically they only had like two or three. Right, and not always with those sorts of things were they even linear episodes on mm-hmm. a tape. Sometimes, you know, when you were getting chunks of a show from the video rental place sometimes it was just like yeah here's like a collection that goes over like key moments or something so you didn't even necessarily or it's like the episodes are a particular theme but Mm -hmm. anyway uh i've never seen that one that one both of them have their fans but i think the sad am has um has a much stronger nostalgia and i think that's well one because it you know it it was kind of a kind of more hardcore so to speak Mm-hmm. But the other thing is that uh, it was very closely tied and basically continued by the Archie comic series. Right, which is really where most of the hardcore Sonic lore really comes from, as the games only have, generally speaking, like loosely tied together themes. The <laughs> Archie comic stuff is like, you know, is where you get, if you're if you're interested in an actual story of Sonic, that's probably where where you're going to get the longest running story of Sonic. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely bonkers. It's it's not canon to the games, but you know, it's if you're into like just weird comic book shenanigans where you, it's just like kudzu, you know, just go gets all over the place. Then yeah, <laughs> yeah, just nonsense, over the top, like crazy powerful shenanigans. Where it's just like when when we were watching, uh, I, I think it was the first one. I was watching it uh, more recently with Emily. She was like, "Wow, that's ridiculous!" And I was like, "Oh, this has nothing on Archie Sonic." Like, <laughs> uh, so the next one is Sonic Underground, and I I've never seen this. I've only ever like seen snippets from like advertisements and stuff. Yeah, I don't. I'm trying to remember if I ever saw anything about Sonic Underground. I didn't recognize that one on the list, honestly. Like, yeah, it's the one where Sonic is like a displaced prince or something. He has two siblings and they're in a oh, rock band. Oh, yeah. I do barely remember that. I probably saw a couple episodes, but it's just weird looking. And it, I was not very... It, it looked gross, honestly, like the artwork. <laughs> and so I don't think I was interested in it. Yeah, and that's I have the same opinion. For some reason, like the the way they draw Sonic's proportions or something is just like, ugh. yeah, it's very off brand. Maybe that's part of what they were kind of like. He's a little bit spikier, and obviously the the green one is like super spiky. Maybe they were kind of referencing that in Sonic Two when he was doing the different hairstyles. But anyway, we'll get to that eventually too. <laughs> yeah, uh, so. These are all American productions. There was also the Sonic original video animation. That's OVA, or when I was young, I, uh, OVA, as I called them. Right. <laughs> and those are usually just like single one-shot episodes of anime, essentially. Yeah. For, for the uninitiated. <laughs> but it was a Japanese production. And I don't know a ton about its production history, but I have heard that it was originally intended to be like a pilot for a potential anime mm-hmm. series, though I don't know how true that is. That may just be one of those things that someone said on the internet and everyone latched onto it because they liked the idea of a, a Toei Sonic the Hedgehog 
She yeah, seems. I had heard that as well. And it, I mean, really, at the end of the day, it makes some sense that Sega, Japanese company, may want to take their most, you know, famous uh, guy for their game console and make an anime out of him. Uh, so, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the OVA had been extremely successful, especially in America. They probably would have been like, yeah, let's let's go ahead and make a whole whole show out of this. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing about Sonic the Hedgehog is Sonic has always been a very American franchise despite being a Japanese property, and which is probably why most of these adaptations are American. I mean, for instance, I think Sonic the Hedgehog 2 was uh, the video game, not the movie. I feel bad now that I have to specify that. Um, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 for the Genesis was actually developed by uh, Sega of America. Right. And, you know, even just his whole personality, especially as you got into uh, these TV shows that we're talking about, was a very much more American like sort of personality type uh, and like the references that he would he would make and stuff, even though he's a Japanese character first and foremost. But as he kind of evolved into more of a character beyond just fast blue hedgehog that jumps on things from the video games and you got to later video games that have more story and stuff you know his whole eating chili dogs and and uh even just the kind of places he was in they always felt more american in their style than than japanese yeah and that's actually you know we could go into a whole discussion about sonic's portrayal i think um i i think sonic's current personality of just being kind of this wandering nice guy Mm -hmm. Um, is largely more of uh, the Japanese influence kind of creeping in. Certainly, yeah. The you know a lot. I, of I say the, creeping in like you know we're it's World War Two and we're worried about right. Japanese spies. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, back uh, in the eighties, a lot of uh, anime and stuff back then were about kind of the hero that just kind of blows into town and rescues some people and then moves on. Uh, that happened a whole lot. And, and I mean, we, we have our own version of that, but it looks different. Yeah, ours are mostly cowboys, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but and I, I wouldn't be surprised if our cowboys kind of inspired that sort of movement in uh, some of the anime. Okay, well, speaking of anime, so the OVA was probably the most accurate depiction of Sonic the Hedgehog, at least to the games, mm-hmm. both in terms of appearance and tone and, the you know, just the, like, the visual style of the world and how it all behaved. And abilities, probably, I would yeah, say. Yeah, and, and abilities, and it had knuckles on it, and he had a hat. <laughs> what, we have no idea to this day, I have no idea what the hat was about, but... Um, we don't know what the ascots in Sonic Boom are about either, but we'll get there. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the the OVA is again, it's much beloved and for good reason. Um, I I watched that one a lot as as a kid. Um, did you watch that one growing up? I had seen it at seen it at some point, but I don't remember much about it to be entirely honest. Yeah, um, that was where I was introduced to the concept of Metal Sonic, and I didn't realize until. Yeah later that there there was a whole sonic cd uh, yeah with metal sonic but um mm. yeah it's uh it's pretty good you know it's just kind of uh it, I, it originally was marketed as sonic the hedgehog the movie here in the states so that may cause some confusion if you're trying to look it up <laughs> but now that we're here with sonic the hedgehog the movie and sonic the hedgehog the movie too <laughs> 
so after that, uh, I don't think that there were, I think there was kind of a, a period where there weren't any adaptations. And then there was uh, Sonic X for, this one sh- uh, showed up on, I guess it was originally Foxbox or, yeah, it was Foxbox. They hadn't rebranded to four kids by that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, this is the one that I probably had the most experience out of all of these. I watched a lot of it, and it was, you know, one of those Saturday morning cartoons that you could you could catch. And, uh, you know, enjoyed it a lot, I, I feel like. And, you know, uh, it probably was, uh, other than the OVA... It probably is the, the most accurate to the games, because it actually yeah. adapts all of the games to... Right. Um, you know, to animation... And there's, like, it, it's interesting. kind of starts off as its own thing, and then it adapts the games and some of the later seasons, and then it goes back to being its own... I think its own thing... I I think it may have been, like, drawing some inspiration from Sonic Shuffle, of all games. <laughs> in that last one, which was just, like, this weird space opera, and... Mm-hmm. I don't know. So, I have mixed feelings about this one. Like, on one hand, it was really cool getting to see all of the... Um, all the games adapted to, mm-hmm. or all the games that I grew up playing. Like, don't get me wrong, I played the Genesis games growing up, but uh, yep. the adventure games, that's really when I had my own income and I could buy my own games. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, we, we came, even though we were technically alive for the Genesis days, mm-hmm. it wasn't when we were, like, fully formed in our ability to, to like, really play games and and understand them and and really like be like yeah this is my thing uh whereas by the time the adventure games came around you know you and i were both around the age that it was it's pretty formative by that point you know it's like okay yeah yeah and it's it's really cool to see those adapted into animation but at the same time sonic x also just it feels really cheap and really hokey and it's one of those things Mm -hmm. where as a kid you can kind of look past it but um, yeah, and it introduced like the the four kids voice cast, which is very controversial mm-hmm. in Sonic circles. Um, and uh, and yeah, except Mike was... Pollock, we everybody loves Mike Pollock. <laughs> it's certainly one of those things where, like, looking back, you can tell exactly what was going on, which was you know Fox or whatever company was originally producing it was was like, hey, we've got all of these cool kid shows and these animes and stuff that we've brought over that we're showing kids on Saturday mornings, like Yu-Gi-Oh! and stuff like that. Let's try to accomplish something like that with a character that they all know and, you know, probably didn't put that much time and money into it, honestly. Yeah. Uh, and so you got got a pretty, you know, bog well, I mean, standard... Sonic X, I think, was originally a Japanese production. Oh, really? Was it? Okay. Yeah. yeah I, it, didn't, it I didn't realize anime, that about X. Just... Yeah. I didn't realize that about X, but uh, yeah, so, and, and then, you know, it might have been a, there might have been a little more heart to it than that, but definitely you could tell that it was trying to be a, a show in a similar vein to a lot of those other uh, hokey Saturday morning cartoons as opposed to being like a at all serious show. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, probably did, they didn't spend a lot of time and money on each episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and then lastly is sonic boom which appeared on cartoon network and i've only seen a few episodes of this but um you know it's a very different take on sonic it's much more comedic in nature but i um uh, i i honestly i thought it was a it was a witty well-written show 
Um, it's kind of kind of reminded me of Sonic the Hedgehog meets the Amazing World of Gumball, but without Gumball's craziness. Yeah, the the little bit that I have seen of it, like I don't like the visuals very much, but that's a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there were some very witty one-liners and stuff that got thrown out by characters, and and it, it was enjoyable, like like better than I would have thought it was, honestly. Yeah. But that that was kind of the point where I wasn't watching television much anymore, so yeah, just didn't have a whole lot of time with it. And I do believe there's going to be—is it like a Netflix or an Amazon Prime show that's going to be coming out sometime in the next year? That's like Sonic Multiverses or something. I actually haven't heard very much about that, so I'm not sure who's making it or anything. Yeah, so I don't know a whole lot about that. Obviously, I haven't seen it. If it's out, I don't think it is, but um. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of turned off by the multiverse thing because everything is multiverse now. And it's, everything. It's, it's like, yeah, having, you know, it's one of those things where the concept was kind of smart back 15 years ago when it's mm-hmm. like, okay, we have like a million different versions of this character and we've had all these alternate universe takes on him. Why don't we just like have all of them meet each other? You know, that's kind of a cool concept or it yeah. was 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a great excuse in the 80s in comics to explain why there were different versions of different characters and stuff and being written in different ways. And they really capitalized on it in comics then. And then that made its way over to to movies and stuff in the last, you know, 10, 15 years and cartoons and stuff, especially. And uh, now it's like kind of starting to get old like you said like right now at this exact moment in history for some reason it's like especially because marvel was like let's do some multiverse stuff it's like everyone's like whoa this is the new hot button word that we can say uh you know attached to the title of our movie that will make everyone watch the movie and it's like i think you're overestimating this honestly like one of the big reasons why it had like any impact for Marvel specifically was actually just because it tied together, you know, older Spider-Man movies. Yeah, we're, we're hitting the point of multiverse singularity, I think. Right. And now, like, I think a lot of people were pumped about those first couple of multiverse things that Marvel did. And now it's like, but now everything is saying multiverse and it's going way too far. And it like it definitely starts to wear out its welcome because... Uh, to be honest, even though it's a cool concept in general, as soon as you say there's a multiverse, you've kind of both created all the problems and solved all the problems in your universe. <laughs> but okay, so that's that's the entire history of Sonic the Hedgehog um, animated adaptations. Um, I guess I could also go into detail about how I think it's Ken Penders, the guy who is largely responsible for the insanity that was the Archie comic uh, Sonic the Hedgehog did have a pitch for a movie. But honestly, it was one of those things where I've tried researching it, but every time um, like the cringe is so strong that I, I wake up on the floor of my office like two hours later, not remembering anything. So, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, I can't imagine what an Archie Comics spot, uh, a Sonic movie would would look like because uh, that thing's just complete insanity in general. Um, you could do some cool stuff with it, I think, uh, but there's just, I mean, Archie Sonic can has like chaos magic and can wish things to happen and stuff ridiculous nonsense mm-hmm. like that. Like, I don't know. <laughs> 
Um, but anyway, so let's let's get talking to about the first Sonic the Hedgehog movie. So, um, you know, we had heard that there was going to be a Sonic the Hedgehog movie, and we for a long time we'd been getting little bits and pieces like they cat like I remember hearing that they cast Jim Carrey to play Dr. Robotnik, which I thought was an interesting choice because Jim Carrey does not look like Dr. Robotnik very much. And like, yeah. I even remember seeing on Facebook, like someone had reposted a tweet of his and he's like, I just got my hair done to be Dr. Robotnik. And it, you know, it shows him with the, was a coif quaff. Yeah. Yeah. I think my, my response to that post was literally just posting the, uh, the state or the question hair. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. That's, I, I remember whenever he got cast thinking that I thought he could probably pull off a pretty reasonable Robotnik as far as, like, being a over-the-top, ridiculous scientist type. Because, you know, Carrie's a pretty good actor, and that's the type of character he usually gets cast as, is a ridiculous, over-the-top character. So, eh, you know, I figured he'd pull it off. But, yeah, it was like, oh, he's not going to look anything like the character. Like, they gave... And at the same time, you know, you're watching little bits of information come out and you're going, okay, yeah. so they're clearly trying to kind of ground this in reality some way. So. Yeah, and you get like the the silhouette of Sonic. Like they were teasing it out quite yeah. a bit. Um, and then that first trailer dropped. <laughs> it's got the little boy calves and the teeth and the eyes. And, uh. Oh my gosh, boy, did the, it, the internet had a field day with that. And... You know, here's the thing is I there's a part of me that loves watching because I'm a fan of the Super Mario Brothers movie. OK, I even like the Street Fighter movie, uh, the, the first one. There's a part of me that has a morbid bile fascination with like seeing how video game movies, how Hollywood has to like just butcher them. And it's yes. like, OK, these are the parts we're willing to keep. And this is all the stuff that we're going to change. And like right. just going, OK, what is the common through logical through line here? <laughs> like, why did they make these decisions? You you enjoy them as an essay on bad decisions, essentially? <laughs> I guess. It, you know, it's it's not that I make it sound far more intellectual than it is. It's more just, you know, kind of going, huh? That's not what I would have changed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's some things, and you're, the Super Mario Brothers movie is probably one of the greatest examples where you're just like, every single choice, essentially, you're just like, but why that? <laughs> but yeah, so it was very much shaping up to be that sort of a thing. So there was a, you know, it was disgusting, and I did not have high hopes for the movies. I was going to see it just to see what kind of yeah. a train wreck it was. Yeah, but it, um, the internet had just such a field day with it that the director, in a, a move that is truly shocking for Hollywood, said, "You know what? We'll fix it. Yeah, we'll fix and, it. We'll just we'll we'll do it again." Just incredibly impressive, honestly. Like, and and you get it more once you've seen the whole the the whole first movie that the people who are making it were honestly. I think they were pretty clever. They were pretty smart. I think they were trying to make a pretty decent movie. And so when when people reacted that way, they were like, oh, well, this is not intended to be a, a cash grab to just bank on the name of Sonic. This was an attempt, at a legitimate attempt to make a movie about Sonic the Hedgehog in the real world, essentially. And so if 
people are going to hate it because of the way we made it look. We've got to fix it, which is impressive. Yeah, and so they got Tyson Hest, who um, is uh, kind of a big name in the Sonic fan community. He did um, he did the intro. I think he was the di- like director for the intro animation to Sonic Mania, for reference. And he did a bunch of he's done a bunch of the animations for um, official Sonic animations. Now mm-hmm. uh, they got him to redesign the character uh, for 3D. They still made his arms blue. Yeah. Yeah, they, he was definitely still uh, not exactly the way he's supposed to be. I, I but... just, I, I don't understand why. Why is it everybody wants to make Sonic's arms blue? Because it's, it's like that's just a recurrent thing. They even did that in Sonic mm-hmm. Boom. Yeah, and it's just and... like why is this so hard? Like, I the the contrast really, honestly, I think the contrast really helps Sonic. Like, kind of, it kind of emphasizes Sonic's legs and stuff. Yeah, like, kind of. Yeah, it's just it just doesn't look. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being. No, I think honestly, for this movie too, it would have made been a good choice because uh, he looked much more like a cartoon character since he's pretty much all one color Mm -hmm. in this live action world. Whereas if there had been more contrast with the fleshier colors and stuff, I think he would have looked a little bit more like a real creature. and, you know, they did other things to try to make him look more like a real creature with his his spines and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, you kind of would have thought that's what they would have gone for. Uh, but, yeah, they, they certainly didn't. So, OK. But, yeah. So they they re, they um, they redid Sonic. Um, they delayed the movie to do so. Um, and that actually was, I think, a huge part of the film's success actually comes from that because. Uh, you know, I don't want to get too controversial, but Hollywood here of late has been very prone to like being very defensive. Like, the, if if you complain about anything about a movie, they they just try to say, "Well, no, it's the children who are wrong." <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. There's there is a over the last five or ten years, Hollywood has been incredibly defensive, and if if you make any legitimate critique of any of their their IP, they have been much more likely to try to, uh, like, respond with, well, only bad people think that way, or, well, that's just a small group of people who believe that, and it's really just because they're bad people, you uh-huh. know, and it's like, it, don't get me wrong, I am 100% sure that there are bad people who think things because oh, yeah, they're the, 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 you know, and the, the, the reason that they can get away with that is it's always easy to cherry pick um, bad right. actors. You know, I have this, what what I've deemed Strawn's uh, negative visibility hypothesis, where the most visible member of any group mm-hmm. is the least desirable. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And mm-hmm. and so it's, it, those people exist and they're out there and it does make it easy for them to to blame things like that on people, but... There are plenty of us who are just just enjoy media and aren't even that critical. And we're just like, oh, actually, I think you could have done a better job on that thing for X, Y or Z reason. And they're just like, you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And so this was really interesting that we were like as fans of it being able to say, wow, that looks bad. And I don't really think I'm going to enjoy that. Well, I watch it because it seems like an interesting train wreck. Probably. But am I going to buy it and watch it again later? Probably not, unless it's so bad that I enjoy mocking it from now on. Uh, and so the fact that they actually turned around and said, oh, wait, the fans, the people who uh, really care about this stuff 
And let me tell you, the Sonic fandom really cares about that stuff. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the people who really care about that stuff, they actually listened to them and actually did what was being asked of them. And uh, good on them. And I, I have so much more respect for these two movies because of that than I would have before. And I had to see it once, once the outrage of the fans caused the change and they were like, we're listening to you and we want to make this better. It created so much goodwill between me and, and the movie. I was like, Oh, they really care about this. So it's probably going to be a half decent movie. And it Mm -hmm. was. Yeah. So let's, uh, Sonic has always been a very character driven franchise i mean it literally was created to make a mascot mm-hmm. um you know to give sega a mascot and so let's start off by talking about the characters so there there are plenty of characters in the first movie but the the major three are um sonic james marsden uh tom wachowski uh and uh dr robotnik and so, uh, let's start with Sonic, the, ma- the leading man. So, Sonic has a new backstory. He's like an alien or something, and he's basically in witness protection. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> well, not really, because it's not being enforced by anyone. He's, he's in hiding. Witness protection would mean that someone's out there actually protecting mm-hmm. him. But, so, he, he's like being raised by an owl, um, who we have no, this is an original character of Longclaw, right. and he has to he has to hide out on Earth, and so he's this is a kind of an interesting interpretation of Sonic because he is snarky, but he's kind of more hyperactive. Yeah, he's definitely uh, in the intent here is for this to be, even though I think Sonic has always been kind of like a teenager or even mm-hmm. younger. This was definitely an attempt at an even younger version of Sonic, uh, whether he looks it or not. Yeah, this is Zoomer Sonic. Yeah. This is this ain't your dad, Sonic. Yeah, this is this is Zoomer Sonic. And to be honest, that's kind of again, like you say, Sonic is a mascot, and who was Sonic for us? He was this radical nineties kid. Well, now he's flossing because when the movie came out, that was what the kids were doing. That's what the cool kids were doing. And is it cringy two years later or whatever, three years later to watch it again? Yes, absolutely. But oh, when it was cringy movie, at the time. Yeah, it was absolutely. But when yeah, this just movie just came remember, out, kids, remember you're cringe. You, you just yeah, don't absolutely. realize it yet. Yes, absolutely. When this movie and came out, also realize we've all been there. So oh, you know, you're not you're also not special. <laughs> <laughs> when this movie came out, the youth group that I was working with, there were kids flossing fairly often because that's what kids do. And so, you know, even though he is uh, like you say, he is Zoomer Sonic. And I think that was completely intentional. Uh, uh, but it, it is an interesting spin for him to be like <laughs> tragic. <laughs> to have this tragic backstory yeah, and honestly the like the him dealing with a lot of social isolation oh wow he really is the zoomer sonic um <laughs> dealing with a lot of social isolation as like a part of his character um and just kind of seeing how that affected him that you know it does add some some pathos to his character yeah and and to do that to make sonic make sense in the real world i i think was very reasonable um, I, I actually appreciate, uh, and as we get to the setting and plot, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but just in general how this movie did a good job 
as well as one could be expected at marrying a character like Sonic in some way to the real world, quote unquote, um, and making it make sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I do have to admit, I have a little bit of trouble with, um, like, I don't think Ben Schwartz was a bad choice. Like, I can definitely understand mm-hmm. just based on, like, some of the characters he's played before, especially, like, Randy Cunningham, Ninth Grade Ninja, uh, and stuff. I, I can look at it and go, yeah, I see why they cast him, but I don't know. It's still, he feels so different from all the other Sonics we've had that it is, it is a little hard for me. But then again, you know, this is a different Sonic. I don't know. Right. I mean, I think the actual tone of voice fits pretty decently, mm-hmm. but not necessarily the de- the delivery of lines. I yeah, think is- I, I think the delivery was a, like try, trying a little too hard to be. I don't know. It's I I I I, I can't quite. I, I don't want to say smarmy, but there there was something that was just a. It's like okay, tone it down just a little bit, dude. Yeah, absolutely, and and not like tone it down at all times. It's just like right. yeah, that line probably needs a little tweak. Yeah, absolutely, and I I think that was mo- mainly it. Was the the voice was pretty close in tone, and I think reading some of the lines a little differently might have helped. But at the same time, again, this is us speaking from uh, you know the Sonic that we're super used to, which is definitely a '90s snarky Sonic versus mm-hmm. this, which is was a quippy sonic and and those seem like they would be the same but they're slightly different <laughs> yeah yeah one one's a little bit more going for the burn the other one's just kind of more playful right yeah um but overall yeah i it, it's a very different version of sonic and it is kind of uh you know to summarize it's a different version of sonic but i think it works for what the movie was trying to do um so next is the co-star, uh, James Marsden. I have to admit, I had some trepidation. Sorry, Tom Wachowski. I have it <laughs> in my notes as James Marsden because that I, I couldn't remember the character's name <laughs> for yeah. the longest time. And so I it's, did James Marsden, then in parentheses, Tom Wachowski. And his dentist knows him as Tim. <laughs> That's one of the lines from the first movie. And it's it's actually a fantastic line. And it gets a callback a little bit later. And it's pretty great. Okay, um, I don't remember it getting a callback, but yeah, uh, Robotnik very shortly after calls says that his dentist calls him Rob, <laughs> and uh, I believe at another point he's he is referred to as Tim by somebody else. I can't remember for sure, but yeah. But anyway, I, so when I first heard about that he was going to have Sonic was going to have a human kind of counterpart counterpoint, I was a little bit concerned that because there's this. In, like, movies that have talking animals, weirdly, they tend to, like, all of the the con- main conflict of the story is really the human's conflict. Right. And the talking animal just complicates their conflict. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there I, is some of that. but A it, little I, bit. And, yeah. and more in the second movie, which, which, again, we'll get to that eventually. And that's some of my, probably more of my critiques of, of the second one. But, uh... Yeah, I feel like I was a, a pretty afraid when I first saw that it was going to have a human sidekick as well. Sonic does not have uh, good history dealing with human characters, if, uh, <laughs> if, if yeah, you really Chris think Thorndike, about it. Uh, what was her name? Princess Elise? Yeah. Am I allowed to, am I allowed Are we to, allowed mention, to mention that? <laughs> So I was I was a little afraid, and yeah, I was very afraid it was going to accidentally end up being a talking animal movie, 
instead of a Sonic movie. And uh, it, yeah, I, it, I think they did strike a pretty good balance, though. He has his yeah. own motivations. But the thing is, mm-hmm. his motivations ultimately are what propel him to go on the adventure with Sonic. So it is mm-hmm. it does, you know, because he wants to be he. So for those of you who haven't seen the movie, in which case, why you're listening to us spoil everything without a second <laughs> thought. Um, <laughs> if you haven't seen the movie, he is the I guess the. Chief of police for a small town in like the what, sheriff Montana? or something. I think is Montana it, that mountainous? <laughs> maybe it, I think it maybe is supposed to be in Washington. Maybe I don't know. I, I could have sworn it was it was one of those flyover states, but it might have said been. said the Oklahoman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that there's them them's over there. That's flyover country. <laughs> yeah, and they might they, they don't really ever say, but I know in the second movie that he's in Seattle briefly, and I know that uh, when you see his map and he's like plotting out how to get to to San Francisco whenever he gets the job. It go it comes down from the north by like a lot, but it might yeah. obviously Montana is northeast of, so it might still work. Yeah. yeah, but um, so he and he feels dissatisfied with being um, a, a police officer for a small town because he doesn't feel like he has he, he's making a big enough impact because nothing ever happens there, and so he wants to be you know he wants to be a hero he wants to help people you know kind of like Sonic does and he's um. So, you know, he wants to go to, like, San Francisco and be a police officer there. But uh, that actually feeds into, you know, when Sonic is in trouble, he realizes, oh, okay, now's my chance to step up and help someone who really needs me. And as so, well as he's actually partially to blame for Sonic's position that he's in, and right. Sonic points that out. And so he does kind of, uh, like guilt him a little bit into being along for the ride <laughs> yeah so you know it's it's one of those things where it definitely had the potential to sort of overshadow um sonic's story but in here it really just kind of helps support it i'm not sure if the human sidekick was entirely necessary though but you know it's one of those things where oftentimes they feel like the the audience you need an audience surrogate character yeah, and I I think a big part of it was, like I said, I think what they were really going for was Sonic in the real world. Mm-hmm. And when we get into Sonic the Hedgehog 2 and there's other Sonic-like creatures around who are clearly CGI and very cartoony and stuff, every time it's just them on screen, you don't feel like you're in the real world. Uh, so this kind of having the human sidekick character... It, it grounds and- it? It grounds it because, like, as a for instance, they're driving in a car for a big portion of the movie, and they have their silly excuses for why Sonic can't just run there by himself. But it really does help you feel like it's this is happening in the real world whenever they're driving a pickup truck and there's other cars on the road and, and stuff like that, as opposed to just Hedgehog runs fast as Robot Man chases him, uh, right. which could have been the alternative. So before we move on to the robot man, um, I, I do want to make one thing uh, clear. I really, really, really appreciate them not making um, Tom Wachowski's character's problem. Oh, he likes this girl and, or he has a girlfriend that's, you know, he's not really sure he wants to commit to because we've seen that cliche in talking animal movies so many times. And here it's refreshing 
that not only is he married, uh, mm-hmm. so they're already, you know, past that stage of the relationship. It's a very healthy relationship. Like, they're making sacrifices for each other. They're, um, you know, they, you know, Tom, like, worked two jobs to put her through veterinary school, and now she's willing to pack up her practice and move down to San Francisco so he can uh, follow his dreams. Like, it's it's actually a very sweet relationship. Yeah, this this is a healthy, loving relationship between the two of them, and neither one of them is portrayed as like uh somebody who is like the idiot in the relationship or the fool who is is always making the other one look good or anything which is super common in a lot of marriages in television um and so it yeah i have to wonder if that part of the movie was written by someone who didn't live in uh hollywood (laughs) right exactly because the fact that these were two loving people that supported each other and cared about each other is so different than many 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 couples in cartoons yeah it's, uh, where... it's almost like it was written by someone who lived in the real world <laughs> right <laughs> and so well, i'm not was... saying all relationships are like that but no absolutely not but <laughs> but it, it was a more realistic relationship uh, especially a more realistic uh picture of a good relationship mm-hmm. which like I like to watch things to uh, if I'm going to be watching a, a couple interact, it's not that their relationship has to be perfect or anything, but I would like it to not disparage one of them totally and make you try to, and make you constantly question why, why are these two people together? Like, mm-hmm. why would she be with him or why would he be with her? And instead it was like, Oh, these, this is a nice couple. I like them. Yeah. They, it, it makes sense. And yeah. It made sense. Okay. But so moving on to uh, to the villain now. So there's Dr. Robotnik as portrayed by Jim Carrey. And so you've already expressed your opinion on Jim Carrey. I did not grow up in the Jim Carrey household. I didn't really either, to be uh, really? honest. Yeah, we watched very few of his things. Uh, I just was very aware of him. Uh, but my yeah, my family didn't like very many of his movies. They were almost always just a, a you know, a little too uh, racy for my family. So we didn't see very many of them, but I did get to see him in a couple of his more family ish movies and thought he did a decent job of it. Uh, And so, and having, you know, grown up looking at his roles and stuff, even though I didn't see very many of them at the time or even very many of them since I was like, I think he can pull off crazy person. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I will say, well, okay, when I say I didn't grow up in a Jim Carrey household, I need to clarify. It's not that I didn't grow up in a household where I didn't watch a ton of Jim Carrey movies. I didn't watch a ton of Jim Carrey movies, for the record. But, no, like, both my parents dislike him. Yeah. <laughs> they, 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 they think he's he's just way too hammy. Um, yeah. Yeah, my no, mom, my mom has stated that she did like him in the Truman Show. She thought that was pretty good. Yeah, I uh, that was one of the main ones that I did actually see whenever I was younger was the Truman Show, and I I really did enjoy him in that and thought he did a good job in it. So I've never actually seen it. Now that I think of it, it's super interesting. You should check. Okay, it out. Uh, I'll I'll add that to the list. Um, but yeah, so I think I don't know. It's one of those things where there there's. Stuff I like about this depiction of Dr. Robotnik and stuff that it's just like just Jim Carrey being Jim Carrey. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's part of the the charm of, of it and the issue with it is that if you dislike Jim Carrey, there is no way you're going to enjoy this movie, which is unfortunate. Uh, 
he's he's pretty enjoyable in general. I think he's actually a little bit better as Robotnik in the first one than the second one, if I'm being honest, which is weird because he looks more like Robotnik in the second movie. But um, in this first one, what you get is this is Robotnik before he became evil mad scientist, even if that's more or less what he was. And you could see a person that acts that way going a little crazier and then just ending up being the Robotnik of the games. And so I think he did a really good job in this first one because even though some of the things he did didn't feel exactly like Robotnik, they still felt like, I can see a person like this just having one of their screws come loose and then they're just like a maniacal, I'm going to take over the whole world, Sonic sort of character. Yeah, and one of the (laughs) things I did like about him is that you do get this sense that there is this incredible, like, pettiness to everything he does absolutely that that is one of the things i i like i remember my brother actually when we were we were re-watching the the first one before we went to see the second one and the line were of uh i uh i did not expect that but i expected uh to or yeah what was i expected this? to not expect something so it still counts yeah so it still counts and it was, <laughs> he just said that is a wonderfully petty statement. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, the whole character just oozes with uh, how petty he is. I think it's one of his major defining features. You know, like he's like I think a huge part of him going after Sonic in the first movie has just as much or more to do with wanting to get back at Tom for punching him. Uh, and he even has that line about he's only been hit by one other person before and it was a bully and then he the bully ended up drinking through a straw for a year. So like very, very petty person that's going to get their revenge, you know, and, yeah. and that fits the character well because obviously we know Robotnik is always coming back and trying to defeat Sonic again with some new thing and it, it fits, it fits. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I guess ultimately I I have mixed feelings about this version of Robotnik, but you know I I, I think you you can you can look at the character and you can at least say yeah I know his motives make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly, and I think that uh, he helped tie in. He's a interesting bridge character to connect the real world to Sonic the Hedgehog mm-hmm. um, because he's the sci-fi that that connects the nonsense of of sonic to the rest of the world because again it's like this real world it's our world and suddenly sonic the hedgehog is there and you're like these things really don't seem like they fit together and then they're like but here's dr robotnik and he's kind of in between even though he's Mm -hmm. goofy and there's like all this nonsense and stuff his you know he's got drones that's his thing and and you know he's just very intelligent and stuff and then he's acting goofy for a regular person but you still kind of feel like a real person could act that way. And it kind of weirdly bridges and ramps up to Sonic the Hedgehog being in that world. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though he gets introduced later in the movie than Sonic does, it still kind of helps you go, okay, so this is still the real world. And then there's just this one weird scientist and then there's Sonic. <laughs> okay, Yeah. And when you put it that way, that actually makes a lot of sense. He's kind of um, an emulsifying agent. Yeah. Yeah, and and you really get that from the character the first time he shows up and you've got all these very normal military people around and he drives up in his weird truck and gets out and starts acting pretty crazy in front of the, uh, you know, the the military people. And uh, it kind of does subvert to how you think maybe that situation's going to happen. 
And then, yeah, it kind of helps emulsify the absurdity of the story to come afterwards into a more real world sort of feeling. Yeah. Also, I think it was a missed opportunity. His sidekick, who I don't recall being really very relevant at all in the uh, the first movie, he, he has a bigger role in the second one. But <laughs> I, I, I feel like it was really a missed opportunity for them to not name him Snively. Yeah, they they absolutely could have, and that and it would have it would have fit the character well too, honestly. So <laughs> yeah, and I mean he didn't he doesn't you don't have to keep any other aspect of Snively's character because I think Snively is Robotnik's nephew mm-hmm. in the in the um, Sonic Sad AM. But yeah, that would have been that would have been just a nice little reference. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we so. Yeah, we've we've already gone into like some of the setting. Yeah, it's it's Sonic in the real world, and there there's like all of the hedgehog characters or all the animal characters are from out of space, which we'll get more into in the sequel. But I find this fascinating because every adaptation that has Sonic interacting with regular people, with the possible exception of the OVA, always has to justify Sonic's existence. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah, they really do tend to have have some sort of excuse. I'm trying to think in adventure, the first. Well, no, no, no. Game. I'm not talking about the games because that's oh, the, just, that's the, the weird thing. Because it's in in the like Sonic X. It's like Sonic is from another dimension, and right. um, like the Archie's comics has an, an explanation for it too. Yeah. Though I don't think that the cartoon. Saturday AM goes into detail about it. Yeah. But, you know, they have their own explanation for where the hedgehogs and the kidneys and all that come from that has something to do with like a retrovirus that reprograms people's DNA. It's. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's it's insane. Um, Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And yeah, I guess that's in the games. They treat it, uh, as far as I can remember, a little bit more like Dragon Ball tended to treat things early on the show where there just happens to be like dragon people and yeah it's just a part of the world cat people and and stuff around sonic is just you know he's he's just a part of the world like there's no origin story there's nothing and everybody's just like yeah that's what a hedgehog looks like yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) what you what what do you mean four-legged no just they walk around and wear sneakers and they're bright blue most Mm -hmm. of the time oh no not most of the time i mean they they can be pink they can be black and red they can be uh gray you know they, they come in all different colors. That's true. Literally any color. <laughs> yeah. So I, it's it's weird to see this continue that tradition. And I mean, I get it. Maybe it would have been too jarring for live action to just have Sonic be, like yeah. simply be. They need to explain it. But it is an interesting interesting trend where they, they always have to give an explanation for where Sonic comes from. Yeah, I think probably... A, Again, it came down to what what did they want to do with this? And I think they wanted to go for Sonic in the real world. And so then there had to be an explanation. So mm-hmm. if this had been a Sonic the Hedgehog movie, it, more in the vein of uh, what the Detective Pikachu movie was, it would have just, they he just would have been there and everyone been like, yeah, this is a hedgehog. Um, but for whatever reason, they were like, we're going to make a Sonic movie about Sonic in the real world. And so... I guess he could have just shown up and been like, yeah, I've just always been around and I'm the blue devil. And, you know, <laughs> I'm just like, he could have been a cryptid essentially, you know, like mm-hmm. Bigfoot or, or something. Uh, but because they wanted to go, yeah, he's, this is 
Sonic and we're somehow integrating him into just the world you live in right now, it there had to be some explanation for why he's here and why he's a hedgehog, but also blue and has super speed. <laughs> but so overall, what what do you think of the actual plot, though? I thought that the plot was decent. Uh, I, it is, it's clear that they wanted to set up some lore early on. Uh, and so that's why they had, you know, you have the echidnas that are chasing uh, Long, Long Talon? Claw. Long? Claw, that's it. <laughs> I, was, I was going to bird with that. Um, Long Claw. Uh, and uh, so, you know, you get some story going on early on. Uh, I think probably two part of their want to make it where he's from a different place is I think they wanted a place that looks like the games to be in the world. Uh, and so, you know, you got, you get to see, you know, the green hill zone there as he's running through and running up the ramps and jumping around there right at the beginning. Oh yeah. Uh, that, that, that reminded me of something I actually forgot. So there is in, in the official game, I, I think this is still canon for the games. Um, Sonic actually has a stated, place of birth and it is a real life location if i'm not mistaken oh <laughs> um it's uh christmas island oh okay yeah that makes sense so it's it's one of those things where it's um <laughs> it's like again he's just born in the world it's like it's right. just it's a world with cartoon hedgehogs don't think about it too hard right yeah it's kind of like bugs bunny you know, yeah it's like bugs bunny's just a rabbit that's just just what rabbits look like yeah and it's Except possible possible here that part of part of what we got is also based on success of other movie more recent movies that they they there's been a push uh more recently whenever you want to take something that is ridiculous and you want to make it more palatable you just call it an alien and then make it partially a comedy and <laughs> so like we saw that with the thir first thor movie and it was pretty effective at the time even though we we were Thor was maybe not one of the more successful Marvel movies early on. It was like, oh, they're going to make a movie about a literal Norse god, and he's going to be really corny and stuff. They were like, he's an alien. Also, it's slightly a comedy, and it, it worked. So mm -hmm. I guess maybe that's kind of uh, something that people have figured out more recently is you just say he's an alien and make it a comedy, and everybody's just going to go along with it. Right. And... uh I, I think they wanted some of, like I said, they wanted to set up some lore and stuff and create essentially a sonic cinematic universe, I think. And so I think that's probably partially how they started there. But yeah, I think that the, the plot was pretty interesting. I, I didn't like the rings the way they are, honestly, because I like the rings having something to do with Sonic's life more than being Okay, weird... okay, so this is actually something my brother pointed out, is that he said, notice that Sonic always, like, whenever he drops his rings, it's always because he's gotten hit in the face. It's true, yeah, he does get punched and drop his, drops his rings a lot. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like, there's a reference in there, it's just very subtle. It's true, it's way subtle. Uh, I What I would have maybe done differently is instead of it being like, oh, this is his his transportation device which is a weird plot device in and of itself have it have something to do with his actual power and mm -hmm. that when he uses all of his rings or if he doesn't have all of his rings then he's like weaker and totally killable uh or something could have been an interesting thing so then the 
the idea of, oh, I have to go get my rings and you need to help me has more to do with, like, he's literally going to die if yeah, he doesn't well, or something. So I think the rings were actually a reference to, like, the bonus rings at the end right. of the levels in the first game. Yeah, and those do warp you to a weird, different world. So it still was connected, I, I agree. But it, it's also just so strange whenever you have just the main characters just being like, and we can go anywhere now, which, again, it gets weird places in the second mm-hmm. movie. Uh, and so... I think that part of the plot was a little bit contrived to create a scenario where Sonic has to work with humans, uh, where they're like, okay, he's got teleportation rings, and then he's got a, he loses them somehow, and then, I don't know, what's a good excuse for him to be in a car with a person instead of, you know, running and being Sonic the Hedgehog? And had to kind of work around those problems because as with all speedster characters, anytime you try to make a movie about them and they're the main character, the constant question is, why is this character not essentially stopping time and defeating everyone around them? Especially since apparently Sonic can stop time, but only some of the times. Like his powers are very inconsistent in these movies. Right. And, and they did. The, yeah, I will say, if you're looking for like a rock solid, there are no plot holes kind of movie, mm-hmm. this is not going to be the movie for you. It is one of those things where it's like you just kind of have to accept that's the way it works because that's what's coolest for it runs on rule of cool. Right. There is a a definite willing suspense of disbelief uh, is needed in this in this movie to enjoy it. But as soon as you get on board, it's a good good fun time and. Uh, I think they did do, I think the plot, even though a couple bits here or there are a little contrived, I think that they did a pretty good job creating scenarios where Sonic couldn't just be faster than everyone else and therefore doesn't have problems. Yeah. Um, my overall thought of the plot is it's... it's. I, I figured that if the, we get like three movies, this first one's going to feel kind of weird and out of place. Because the, the first one is, it it doesn't have many um, characters in the actual, like, moving parts. You know, there, there are plenty of side characters, but they're kind of, you know, just very briefly in the mm-hmm. movie. And so it's, I don't know, it, it's this weird sort of thing where Sonic's, like, going on a road trip with this cop. And <laughs> um, it, it's, it's kind of this origin story so you know you're used to dr robotnik being the bald guy with the crazy mustache but here he's jim carrey in a weird looking overcoat and so it's, it's kind of like this weird origin story that nobody asks for yeah certainly i think that that like you say especially having watched the second one and then seeing the teaser for the third one it's clear that their eventual goal is to have it be just pretty much normal Sonic the Hedgehog in a movie. Mm-hmm. But, but they took this, this weird extra step to get there. Right. This when first I think one, most fans would have just been like, why wasn't Dr. Robotnik pulled from the beginning? Right. This first one had a, a, a weird uh, like obsession with trying to make everything try to make sense in the real world. And if it was its own movie and it didn't have a sequel, that would have been fine. But as soon as you get into the sequel and the other animal characters show up and stuff, it really starts feeling like two separate movies happening at the same time. And we'll get into that when we talk again about the second one. But 
I agree that like it does weirdly feel like this one is going to be almost from a different universe once we get to a third movie and if they continue from there. Right. Um, but overall, uh, you know, it's it's a fast, fun-paced movie. And if you take it on as its own thing, it's it's pretty good. Uh, I would, you know, it's one of those things where there are some moments where it's like, yeah, this is obviously made for a younger audience than me. Um, I mean, there are some really good jokes, like the Sonic being stuck in the duffel bag. <laughs> it's probably yeah. my, my favorite just one-off gag in the entire movie. But Yeah, there are a lot of excellent one-liners in the movie um and it's it's very enjoyable um and it's just a fun time if if you go into it and you're expecting it to be like uh oscar worthy movie uh it's clearly obviously not trying to be that and so it does a good job of not overstaying its welcome being only an hour and 30 minutes ish and being good at being like, here's some Sonic references, here's some great jokes, here are tons of memes, just so many memes. Uh, and then a handful of things that are weirdly inspired by the game theorist on YouTube. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, okay, you're going to have to unpack that one for me. Yeah, so uh, there's a couple of, there's a handful of things. It's very clear that the, the makers of the movie watched the game theorist on YouTube. Because uh, the first thing that you notice, and this could have just been a fluke, but in the trailer for the movie, he uses the radar gun at the beginning, and it it said that Sonic was going like 700 miles an hour or something like that. Mm -hmm. And in one of the game theorist videos, he just offhandedly, or it might have been one of the movie theory videos, but he's the same guy. Uh, He offhandedly explains that Radar guns actually don't go up to that high of a speed. Since the trailer, they changed the speed that it shows on the gun to the cap of what a radar gun can show of 300 miles an hour. Hmm. Um, So that's kind of just a little interesting one-off sort of thing. But then, and you might say, oh, that's a coincidence. You know, they did their own research. And it could be. However... When Sonic is running near the end of the movie and Robotnik is keeping up with him, he says something along the lines of, you're going to ruin your joints. They proved it. And that it, there was an entire game theory video about how if Sonic could run as fast as he could, that it was going to destroy all of the joints in his body. <laughs> so, mm. like, there is, like... A bunch of people who were working on this movie who are like super plugged in on the internet and were keeping up with internet culture and it shows the the movie is completely full of internet references and memes and uh, like one-off jokes that make more sense to people if they are, you know, plugged into pop culture and stuff. And the unfortunate part of that, of course, is going to just be that if you rewatch this movie in 10 years it's going to show its age a yeah, whole lot. Yeah, and there's, a, there's like a Chip and Dale movie that has the original ugly trailer Sonic in it. Yeah, ugly Sonic. <laughs> and I remember, like, I see that, and I it's like, okay, it's funny, but that is not going to hold up. Because oh, absolutely you're, not. You're not going to have that context if you weren't there. Right, yeah. It's funny right now at this exact moment. Uh, but 
uh, to some extent, I think the Sonic movie will hold up a little better than that, just because, uh, for instance, when he's flossing, that is very cringy. I think it was supposed to be cringy, if I'm honest, and it will probably remain cringy uh, from now on until well, forever. Well, that, that was added in later, because I think in the second trailer where they showed off the new design, he actually did a different dance in that scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it, it looked more like sort of the kind of break dancing he does at the end of a level in the video games. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, all that to say, I think it was an enjoyable movie, and and uh, the the people who were making it were clearly paying attention to what the world, what was going on in the world, and what people wanted and stuff, and they worked hard on it, and it shows. You know, it's it is probably I would say in the top five video game movies of all time. Which, Which isn't saying much. <laughs> isn't saying much, but it also was a perfectly fine movie, even if it wasn't a video game movie. And yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I would say I'd give it like a seven out of ten. Yeah, yeah, I'd say seven out of ten, perfectly reasonable, maybe even seven point five. Mm-hmm. All right, so but this movie uh, did very very well, and so it spawned a sequel that came out like only two years later. It was actually a very quick turnaround. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially for the big, you know, bigger people who are involved with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of surprising how quickly they turned around with, uh, I mean, Idris Elba is in this one and he's like been a pretty big name in, in stuff for the last 10 years, uh, to be entirely honest. So I would not know because I don't watch movies. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's he's been uh, he's actually been talked about as a lot by a lot of people as a good new James Bond, actually. So that's that's kind of the general level of his popularity is people have legitimately floated him as the next James Bond. OK, so speaking of Andrews Elba, so he plays Knuckles in this and Knuckles is one of the two new characters. Well, actually, let's start with Tails because Tails is, you know introduce a little bit or well no actually knuckles makes an appearance on screen first but but tails is is the uh from the bonus scene after credit scene of the first movie actually okay okay you got me there it's just easier to talk about tails first because tails kind of is just he, he's one of the hero characters through this yeah. so um so tails makes an appearance in this movie and i have to say like don't get me wrong i really like tails's voice actress but it is so freaking weird hearing one of the ac- actors f- actually from the game series yeah, playing it, one of the characters next to Ben Schwartz, who I've already mentioned. Just like it's a little weird for me to accept Ben Schwartz as Sonic. And then Idris Elba, who like I he, he did a good job playing Knuckles, but it is so weird hearing that voice come out of Knuckles. Yeah, certainly. There's a... Tails is one of is this weird thing in this movie where he every time it is him with Sonic it feels like it is a different world um because it's just like Sonic from the games and you know same voice actress like you say and the character behaves more like Tails from the games then Sonic acts like Sonic from the games, or Knuckles yeah, acts th- like this Knuckles is, from the games. This is a very faithful adaptation of the character 
from the games. And yeah. on one hand, I love that. But on the other hand, it just kind of makes me stop and go, well, why, why can't we have this for the other characters? <laughs> right. And it, so it's, it's kind of jarring. Every time it's just Sonic and Tails on the screen, it really feels like it's not the same movie. Certainly not the same movie from the first one. But there is actually, uh, as we talk about the story of the second one, we'll, we'll get into this more, but there is a lot that makes it feel like this is two separate movies going on at the same time that happen to tie together near the end rather than actually one story. Okay. Um, I didn't get that that from the movie, but um, I'm, I'm interested. You know, maybe you can persuade me. Uh-huh. But yeah, um, I think, again, I, I think Tails was represented very accurately uh, he starts off as very kind of insecure and timid and, you know, eventually grows uh, into more confident, uh, still a sidekick. But and also the weird kind of fanboying over Sonic at the beginning is honestly, it's kind of creepy, but I like how they acknowledge it where Tails uh, says, do you trust me? And Sonic's response is. Of course not. I just met you. <laughs> right. But whenever you really like consider Tails as a character, uh, him fanboying over Sonic is kind of what he does. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's kind of like, you're amazing, Sonic, like all the time. Uh, and so like to give him a good reason to be that way in this universe, like actually made sense where it's like, OK, so he's like essentially been watching Sonic this entire time. And for since Sonic at the beginning of this movie, it's clear that he's like been trying to uh, Batman his way around. Like Tails has been watching essentially episodes of a Sonic superhero TV show, and yeah. so he's like really pumped to get to meet Sonic the superhero whenever he meets him. Essentially, <laughs> uh, but so the other character that they introduce is Knuckles. And um, I have to say, I really like this depiction of Knuckles, even if like it is so freaking weird to hear that deep of a voice coming out of Knuckles. Like Knuckles typically has a fairly deep voice, but he sounds a lot younger than this one. Yeah. And then, you, yeah, on top of that, you have uh, like the I think it's I think he's a British accent, I believe. Uh, really? That, that okay. Idris Elba has. And so like it's it is really very different from what what we're used to for knuckles uh but i think he did a really good job i appreciated him uh emily mentioned that he was kind of like the drax of the movie a couple of times where he'd like like some of the the jokes are for him or that he doesn't understand what's going on and stuff and Mm -hmm. it, it it worked out well it was enjoyable uh to have and i thought he was a cool character like i liked a lot of the moments with him where you know like and of course, a lot of the moments were the moments from the trailer, but him catching Sonic or him saying, you know, I don't need your power and stuff like that. Uh, and of course, him bringing in a lot of the Chaos Emerald stuff with him into the story and yeah, still and being uh, that he kind is of reasonably lore accurate. Like, let's. Yeah. Yeah, because you know, the there's, there's the Echidna Warrior tribe, which is no longer around. There's him being too trusting of like robotic but also there's there the social awkwardness is kind of an aspect of knuckles's character because part of the reason why he was very trusting of dr robotic in the original genesis games is because he lived on a lone on island with non-anthropomorphic animals pretty much mm-hmm. his entire life he just didn't know any better yeah absolutely and and yeah they got the the whole 
protector of the Chaos Emeralds thing that uh, that shows up in Adventure? Uh, yeah, Adventure. Well, the, so the for, Knuckles is in the games. He's the protector of the Master Emerald, which that's is separate right. from the Chaos Emeralds, and yeah. that's been true ever since uh, Sonic the Hedgehog three and Knuckles. Okay, uh, it's just it gets. It, it gets a lot more attention in the adventure games because the story right. starts with him guarding yep. the master emerald while right and then his... um the in the genesis games you don't get to see the master emerald until the end of the game and if you're right. terrible at video games like we all were when we were right. kids exactly yeah <laughs> it's just not near as noticeable yeah and then of course in adventure battle two adventure two battle whatever you want to call it uh the all of the knuckles sections are literally just collecting master emerald shards is like his whole thing um, the, even the the one that happened in the um the the egyptian what was it the death chamber or whatever the egyptian I thing i thought he was looking so. for keys in that one oh, but that may have just so. been rouge's no i think he was looking for keys in that one he might have yeah yeah, but yeah, so there's one stage that wasn't. Yeah. That. Um, so, so yeah, like they did a good job of tying his character in with the things that made sense for his character and being somewhat lore accurate and also using him as the excuse to be like, oh, by the way, now we're going to bring in the Chaos Emeralds. We're going to bring in, you know, like more of these anthropomorphic characters and stuff. And I do think that Knuckles was handled better adding him into the story than Tails was because we had no idea why Tails was even here for a while in the movie. I was still like, until he finally explained how he knew to come and that he came to warn Sonic specifically about Knuckles, I was just like, did we, did I stop paying attention and I missed his ex explanation of why he's here? Or did they literally just say this movie is too long and just skip that part of the story? And then he, after he had been I in the movie... I have a hard time they ever said this movie is too long. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. And they finally hit a point where he, like, just offhandedly kind of explains, uh, just mentions, that's why I came to warn you, Sonic. And I was like, oh, is that it? Is that the whole... Okay, cool. Yeah, and he even at <laughs> a later point, you know, Sonic, uh, when Sonic tells him, hey, you're coming along too, he's like, well, no, no, I'm, I just came here to warn you. I'm not... I'm not a field guy. Yeah. And it doesn't really make sense why Sonic wants him along anyway, but... Yeah, they definitely yada yada why Tails was there and why he was coming along with Sonic, which is impressive because this movie is long and they had time that they could have spent on important plot points like that instead of other things that they focused on. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, you know, the thing is, I actually... So you say that this felt like two different movies when Sonic and Tails were on screen together. I actually, I, I will admit, it did feel very different, but I actually kind of liked it because it's like, oh, this feels a lot more like the games. Yes. So I am not at all saying that it, it was bad the way it felt when Sonic and Tails were on the screen. And now okay. that we're, we've, you know, we've talked about Tails, we've talked about Knuckles. If I'm, I could kind of steal your role as podcast leader, we might as well hop into story now and I can go ahead go and explain it. my, my uh, theory here. When they introduced more anthropomorphic animal characters, it makes the movie feel more like real Sonic. The problem is, is that the first movie posited the question of what if Sonic the Hedgehog was in the real world? And right. so then they had this problem of 
how do we deal with the fact that there are a handful of very normal human beings in this movie that shouldn't have any business going on a Sonic adventure? And their solution was, don't have the characters go on the Sonic adventure. And, <laughs> and so what you get there is this weird romantic comedy movie about a wedding going on where those characters keep calling up Sonic on the phone and talking to him about his Sonic adventure, and then Sonic over here with other anthropomorphic animals fighting. And, yeah, it, and to be fair, there is the, the, that is kind of a, a common comedy trope where you have right. this group, um, you know, someone else that's off on the sidelines just sort of checking in occasionally, and it's like, oh, no, everything's fine. <laughs> yes, certainly. However... If you were to remove the human characters other than Robotnik from the movie, it would have been pretty similar. This is yeah, a two-hour-long movie. And, and if I, you I am glad that they got kind of... They did sort of move them to the side for the most part. Yes. Because um, I, I think having a greater focus on Sonic uh, ultimately strengthened the movie. Because I wanted to see mm -hmm. a Sonic the Hedgehog movie that felt like Sonic the Hedgehog. Certainly, yeah. And that's, that's kind of where... Going back to your point of the first movie is going to feel really weird comparatively to the, the second one and especially the third one is that when the scene started where Sonic and Tails got captured and then it's suddenly uh, the wife and the sister running around with Tails's gadgets yeah, um, like maddie and rachel i think they're yeah and, and they're i just... only remember maddie's name is because i've seen both movies twice now right like it wasn't until yesterday where i was wa watching sonic the hedgehog 2 uh for a second time that i finally got in my thick skull that oh it's it's maddie Right. Like, I just yeah. always remember her as Pretzel Lady or whatever. Yes, I remember Pretzel Lady and Rachel. I don't know why I can remember the sister's name better, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, do they do they even say her name in any of the movies? Or is it just yeah. in the credits? <laughs> right. But they do. They do say it in the movies. They do a couple times, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, it's just uh, they, when you have that scene with the two of them secret agenting it for a minute, you're just like, what's going on? on <laughs> suddenly it's just like this is a very different movie from yeah that's what i was, was just watching kind of in my opinion that scene was kind of the um it's kind of like the roadhouse in the first movie it's like this scene you know it's i guess it's kind of entertaining but it isn't really necessary yeah but at the and same time if you had sonic and tails captured by uh the military guys then then they're just free the next scene you know yeah yeah, certainly. I, yeah, I think, weirdly, I think that part of that was just to tie in Sonic and the the non-animal characters in, yeah. into a way uh, that it made, made and, sense that they were in the same movie. <laughs> yeah, and so this is one of those things where it's really tricky because I, I have said I do like the fact that it focused much more on Sonic and Tails, but right. at the same time, I'm also glad they didn't completely write out the other characters because that right. would have been really weird too. And that's a that is a very common thing to do in these kinds of movies. Yeah, and so that's it's very difficult, and I think that's why the second <laughs> one doesn't hit quite as well as the first one in in a, a lot of ways. Is that I, I do think that they tried in the first movie to create a situation where Sonic and these human characters are interacting and why it makes sense that they're interacting with each other. And for the second movie, they're like, we want this one to have 
these other characters and have things get to some more Sonic-y action. And we're happy that they did that, but they didn't want to just dump the other characters and say they're not in the movie anymore. And so it made them have to come up with reasons why the characters are interacting. And that's why you end up with a two hour long movie is because. Well, and one of the things is I I was explaining this to, you know, I was talking to my mom last night and, you know, kind of going over some of the stuff that I was going to talk about in the podcast today. Mm -hmm. And I, I mentioned that this movie does not have a complicated plot. It's very easy to follow. Yeah. Very but it is a very intricate plot because mm-hmm. the thing is I've I've thought about this because I remember I've heard you know, like um, uh, the YouTuber Arlo he had this long video about how terror how he hated this movie which I don't hate this movie for the record but yeah. he he um, was talking about how many scenes were pointless and I I keep thinking about it's like okay barring a rewrite let's say that you're not allowed to revise the script in any way and not change major plot points. Really think about it. What scenes can you remove? Because pretty much almost every scene either is the setup for something that happens later or it's a payoff for something that was set up. Yes, and so certainly. that is one of the things that I find fascinating about this movie because it's like almost every scene, I think the only two that I, I off the top of my head, I'm sure if I watched it like six times and, you know, with like a notepad and paper. I'm, I'm sure I could think of like, oh, well, you can cut these four seconds out of the movie or whatever. But the only two that I feel largely superfluous are the Russian lodge scene. Mm-hmm. Um, though you could argue that that's um, a large part of that is Sonic and Tails bonding. But yeah. I don't know. It felt like a, just sort of a rehash of the roadhouse scene in the first yes. one. And I thought the roadhouse scene was kind of superfluous, to be honest. I mean, you know, interesting set piece, but whatever. Uh, and the other one was, you know, the stealthing through the, the hotel and trying this free Sonic and Tails. Yeah. Uh, you had also the, uh, when the, you know, there's just a handful of those, those times where like when the police officer back home, Wade is questioning the, the, uh, stone or whatever. Uh, there you have the, a lot of them were still good scenes, but you know when the when Rachel goes and reconfronts her ex fiance. And- well, I would I would argue that that one. There's a reason why I mentioned payoff. It's like yeah. that one you kind of otherwise you have a, what TV tropes would call uh, what happened to the mouse. It's like you just yeah. you have this this plot point and then it just sort of vaporizes. Right. Uh, yeah, and then there could have been some shorter winded ways of handling it. Uh, oh, yeah, and trust me, movie. I'm not arguing that this movie could not be trimmed. It definitely yes. could be trimmed. Scenes definitely could have been truncated. It's right. just like a lot of these scenes, like, you know, you look at it and you think, well, this is a pointless scene. It's like, why have him uh, yeah. swap the rings out? And it's like, that's what's this cutesy sort of rom com nonsense and it's like well that sets up the scene where yeah, which i absolutely you know, called that one by the way i told oh yeah i think we all scene. saw that one coming. yeah <laughs> it's like he um, gave her the wrong ring i know it <laughs> uh i i don't know why he he had to say you know not just just give me the ring it's an emergency i i'll explain later why why can't he just say um yeah there was a mix-up this is actually her ring yeah uh, he really should have walked up and said here's the ring sorry about that that's mine and yeah, then that, if they... it, it got you know it, it got mixed up 
Yeah, and then if they said, why do you uh, let us finish the wedding, you could be like, that one's a weird space ring. You know that that stuff exists. It might hurt you. I don't even know what happens if you put it on your finger. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there was there was some of those scenes that, uh, yeah, they could have handled in different ways, and obviously there's always that problem with characters where you're like, please just explain what's actually happening instead of just saying words. And but then, then again, Tom does seem like the kind of guy that just yeah. given their dynamic, he probably would want to keep their interaction as short as possible certainly yeah but yeah and and i think that that's yeah i think the movie could have used some rewriting but yeah i think the way it was that yeah it is difficult to truncate most much of it because yeah there is one of the things that the movie does do well is you know everything is referencing something that's gonna come later you know and and so it ultimately does fit pretty well i there's Still yeah, and uh, something I want to make clear is uh, I, I just remembered this. Sorry to cut you off, but oh, yeah. um, one one of the things is uh, that you you have to have the wedding scene mm-hmm. at least in the way that it is now because you have to introduce Gun because that's going to be an essential aspect of the next movie. Right. Yes. Yeah. And so you know you could say, well, why have them go to the wedding at all? And it's like, well, you need to have Gun introduced somewhere, and you could do that a different way. That's that's yeah. certainly true, but. You know, you have to do it at some point in the right. second movie if you want to yeah. foreshadow the third one. Yeah, and I, I totally think that the that if if you wanted to make this movie shorter, which I think would have been a good idea, uh, just spending less time with the human characters is really the only way to do it. Just t- saying, uh, you know, sorry, James Marsden, you're not going to be in this one very much. You're going to be on the phone checking in and we're not going to see what happens between you on the phone checking in Uh, and just having it be these characters show up. Sonic's going to try to figure out what the heck's going on. Maybe eventually he does get captured by the military and then maybe uh, some of the human characters show up and save him from the military and you're like, okay, that's where these characters fit into the movie and then you have them end up with the with the, uh, you know, in the temple and the the end of the movie could have been different than all of the human characters and them ending up in the same place with the big robot. Yeah, but I don't know, like, so the big robot, like, I'm not sure how I would do it differently, but there's a part of me that feels like, man, I just, I feel like I should have ended in the temple. Like, that feels like mm-hmm. the final, that, that feels like a good place for a final showdown. I agree. And then the movie just keeps going after that. Yeah, I agree that that probably should have been where it ended is in the temple. The temple was a great set piece that could have been used used better. There were some funny moments there, and there were some interesting things that happened there, but they really just zoom through that. And it was one of those, definitely one of those moments yeah, where I was judging like... Judging, as it was based on Labyrinth Zone, there's no zooming through Labyrinth Zone. Yeah, certainly. So that, that's not even accurate to the game. No, but not I'm, at all. I'm sorry, continue. It was one of those moments where I was like, how is this movie two hours long and yet still rushing through things in such a weird way? Because I legitimately, this is the this is what happened. They have the scene where Sonic is on the beach and he wakes up and he walks over and he sees the temple. Then it cuts to Robotnik and Knuckles. And then Sonic just lands at the, you know, coming down a waterfall and ends up inside of the temple and I'm like, oh, did I miss something? When when did he did he fall into a river or something? What happened? And Emily's like, no, that's that. There wasn't anything in between that. He just showed up. 
And then he also just then again just shows up at the end too, and you miss most of him dealing with the ins. Like you see him bouncing around a little bit, but the, the Sonic essentially washes up on a beach. You see him dodge a couple of traps, and then he's just at the end facing off with Knuckles and Robotnik. And you're like, this could have been the end of the movie. Could have been them in the temple and avoiding traps and and getting through it and stuff and tails uh shows up with his airplane at that point and ends up helping sonic and stuff and uh then robotnik gets the emerald of course and then i was kind of wondering if chaos was gonna be what happened there uh as opposed to him you gaining the power cosmic and and using it to build a robot. Yeah, I, I have to admit, Robotnik getting like cosmic powers also was just a really weird choice because it it's like that doesn't show up strange. in any of the games, and mm-hmm. it just it felt really out of out of place. Yeah, I think that the better way of doing it might have been, you know, Robotnik is all about building things that, to use or gaining some, you know, using some sort of other thing and pitting it against Sonic. Uh, I really could have seen a situation where he gets a hold of it and it's more of like a wish granting sort of thing rather than a he becomes super powerful. And he could have, uh, you know, asked for something to be Sonic's equal or something or uh, maybe interacted in it in some way. And either Metal Sonic ends up being there and fighting Sonic or Chaos ends up being there and fighting Sonic. Both, in my eyes, would have made more sense for the character and the story of the movie really than just him just being like i got it and now i'm like glowing green and i'm got the force yeah i mean if nothing else it does kind of resolve the plot point of why why is sonic the only one who knows how to use the chaos emeralds Mm -hmm. um you know in this one it's like oh no anyone can do it uh, i suppose so Uh, you know, at least it does make that sense. Oh yeah, let's take a moment to, to mention. I actually really appreciate the fact that they made they. I know this isn't lore accurate, and but you know, fanboys, hear me out. I appreciate that they made the whole thing about the Master Emerald, and the Master Emerald is made of the Chaos Emeralds. Yeah, like you know, the Master Emerald is not made of the Chaos Emeralds in the original games. It's more right. like uh, uh, I I don't actually know what the Master Emerald does. It like I don't know. It's controls huge. them somehow. It's connected to them, but it's not. And I don't think it's can it. It can't be used to like gain superpowers or anything either, does it? It's just kind of. I mean, relevant I think to- it kind of does that in the Genesis game, sort of, but not really. It, yeah. Yeah. Um, why does Knuckles guard it? Like it's it's, it's just a just big green job. rock. It's just his job. That's why. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I, I do appreciate them like kind of consolidating them all into one thing because that's um, it, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, and it's, hunting seven emeralds would have just completely destroyed the pacing of the movie. So I yeah. kudos to them. That was a smart choice, even yeah, if it, it's not you know lore accurate it, yeah. it, it was a smart choice legitimately good idea to allow it to be both the thing that knuckles is guarding or trying to reobtain mm-hmm. and the thing that gives sonic his powers and yeah that was it was leading up to it near the end of the movie and i was like 
please tell me that Supersonic is going to be in this. Because mm-hmm. if you've already given us this thing and it's around and then Sonic doesn't get to use it and be Supersonic, I get you might want to save that for the next movie. But I, it's going to be a bit of a letdown if we don't get to see that. And I was trying to figure out how they could manage that since Robotnik had the power and that was going to be obviously the thing he needed to beat. And they came up with a pretty good way of doing it, that Robotnik used his power to build something, which makes sense because he's Robotnik and he builds things. And then even though he lost the power, he still had the robot, uh, which was was intelligent. And that is something that did make sense about the way Robotnik handled having infinite cosmic power. Mm -hmm. But I do think a better way of ending it could have been something happening at the temple and introducing something other than Robotnik gaining God powers. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we've talked about the, the story and the, you know, gone into quite a bit of detail on the length, but I just want to take a moment to say, I love all the references in this movie. Yeah, like, and the thing is, some of them are really overt. Like uh, Sonic does the Sonic Adventure cover pose in the the lodge scene when he's dancing. Yeah. Um, to some of them are just more subtle, where you get like kind of a general vibe of something like Sonic being on top of a building at the beginning in Seattle is very much like the opening of the Sonic Adventure, or the snowboarding scene is like, oh, that's Ice Cap Zone. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, he punches it. He's holding this chunk, and I say. Look at Emily. I say, he's going to start snowboarding. And she goes, what? And he jumps on and he starts snowboarding. She's like, why isn't he running? He's way faster when he runs. I was like, because it's snowboarding and it's Sonic. <laughs> like, there's a whole well, game also, of Sonic I, about Sonic riding boards. Have you running downhill, especially one that's covered yeah. in fresh powder? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But there's you a could whole... spin dash down the hill, but... Yeah. There's a whole game, Sonic Riders, which was about Sonic and the gang riding floating surfboards. Oh, it's not just a game. It's There were like three of those things. Yeah. Oh, I know. But I, I just mean like, like that's how relevant to Sonic it is that he's going to snowboard at so, some point is that there was a spinoff series of Sonic snowboarding games. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I thought that uh, that was super, super cool uh, that they had those references. It took me a minute on the coffee shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't oh, they, catch, they get the reference. I didn't catch the name of the coffee shop until near the end of the movie. And then when and maybe they didn't show it. I'm not sure. No, they, they show it. Yeah, they they didn't show or I, I didn't see them show it early on when he was there the first couple of times. And then the first time I think it was when Wade showed up and he's standing in front of the door and it's closed and you see the name. And I was like, oh, it's the mean bean. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh, it's the Professor Robotnik's mean bean machine. And he's like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah, there were so many times where something like there, there weren't any jokes being spoken or whatever. I just let out a short laugh uh, right. in the theater, and I'm, I'm sure everyone thought it was like crazy. But it's like, <laughs> yeah, I, I got that reference. Yeah, um, just like tons of little references and stuff. There were also weirdly topical current day references too that didn't have anything to do with Sonic. Which yeah, there weird. are a lot of pop culture references, but at the same time, I kind of feel like that if Sonic did exist in the real world, he would make pop yeah. culture references. Certainly, yeah. Um, but okay, so this movie ends and with a um, after like the first part of the uh, the credits, you know, the part where they have the animated part and they actually 
uh, put some effort into the presentation of it, yeah, as they, seems to be the case with most animated movies nowadays. Yeah, they redo well, the I, entire... I say that I don't watch movies hardly ever, so I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's not common. They redo the entire movie in actual Sonic Genesis graphics. Yeah, it's like, why didn't I just watch this version? <laughs> I did kind of wonder that a couple of times. I was like, that might have been a better movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so after that segment, they... Uh, they have a short teaser for the next one where the gun guys remember them they're they're important to the next mm-hmm. one like i yep. said um they they're like oh yeah we were wiping our records of dr robotnik and we found um a record of a black site that's holding um project shadow whatever from 50 and, you years know, you ago get to see shadow the hedgehog being and i i i need to get you know gloat about this a little bit before we went to the theaters i, I was talking to my brothers and it's like yeah so you know i'm hoping since they're already introduced knuckles in this one you know i thought it was just gonna be tails and then it would be knuckles but since they're already introducing knuckles in this one i'm looking forward to seeing shadow in, in the third one and my brothers are like oh they're not gonna do shadow in the third one <laughs> And so yes. I'm in the theater. I'm elbowing my brother next to me. It's like, eh? Eh? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> He's just like, oh, my gosh, you were right. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever they, uh, like, I was I was thinking maybe he might be in the third one as well. Uh, and partially I was just reminded because uh, uh, when Knuckles came on to the screen, uh, my wife Emily was like, is this the, like, bad version of sonic i was like not really he's more like his rival if anything and he's a good guy most of the time except when he's not and he's not bad sonic i was like that's shadow shadow is bad sonic that's what his character is which also he's also more like sonic's rival and not always bad yeah but (laughs) actually i so just shameless plug real quick um i have an entire article on the blog explaining why shadow is actually uh, a way more interesting take on the um evil doppelganger archetype than most people give him credit for um, yeah I, I think he's way more interesting than a lot of them too i'll have to read your 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 post but yeah i i agree he's much more interesting than the average one but, um, and, you know, full disclosure, I'm looking forward to this one because Shadow's my favorite character. Especially Sonic Adventure 2 Shadow. Every Shadow after that. There's a part of me that really wishes that the, even though he's my favorite character, Shadow, I love you, but you should have stayed dead. Um, yeah, <laughs> certainly. Even Sonic Heroes Shadow is not that good of a character, but he's just also not very well fleshed out compared to... No one was in that game. It, that yeah. one was like kind of a weird back-to-basics sort of let's do the game progression like it's a Genesis game sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that was... that was. Uh, I, I, I wish they had done something different there and that wasn't kind of the end of the adventure uh, era there. But anyway. I, I wish the controls weren't so fiddly, but... Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I really love Shadow as a character. I think he's very interesting. He does an excellent job of actually adding to Sonic's character as opposed to just being like, I'm Sonic, but bad. Yeah, uh, well, you know, and that's the thing is one of the things I point out in the article is most of the time when you, the, the cliched um, evil doppelganger is, I must defeat you to prove I'm the real one. Right. And what yeah. is, and, and the entire thing, like, what is, like, the most iconic line Shadow says to Sonic is, that blue hedgehog again. It's just like, who is this yeah. guy? He doesn't, he's I've not. I've got stuff to do, man. What? It's like, I finally found you, faker. Right. <laughs> Sonic's the one who's obsessed with him. Yeah. Absolutely. 
It's uh it's it's he's a good cool character especially in in the first game that he's in and uh if you if you ignore any games where he has guns uh and <laughs> and uh yeah I'm I am excited for the third one and again it does it does start to beg the question of okay so we have we have Robotnik become has become you know increasingly more Robotnik-y. Mm-hmm. And we have uh, knuckles and tails in it now, and now if we're gonna add in Shadow and theoretically talk about Robotnik's father, grandfather, whatever they want to have him be this time, uh, it just really is gonna start being like, okay, we are getting full on into real Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, so why are these regular people here and where are they going to fit into the story? And if that's all true, then why didn't we just have real Sonic the Hedgehog movies anyway? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that first movie is going to get just retroactively weirder and weirder. Yeah. Um, but okay, so before we wrap this up, I have a prediction for the fourth movie since I apparently was so good at the second one or at the third one, I mean. Um, so here's the, uh, here, here's my reasoning. Okay. So the second, uh, the Sonic Adventure 2 takes place in space, but it's, it's a, a space colony. So it's very close to Earth. Right. I think that they're going to use that as a, a launching off point. If they make a fourth movie to go further into space and explore more of the universe that they've created. I think right? that that's very, very possible. So I, I, I agree with that. And uh, I'm going to bring your prediction one more forward. I'm not done yet. Oh, okay. Go for it. Sonic CD, baby. <laughs> Little Planet yeah. is going to be the next setting. That or Planet Wisp. One okay. of the two. But I think Sonic CD because it'll let them bring Metal Sonic into it. Yeah, I um, think that makes sense. I, I think that Sonic CD is where they're going to go with this because and you know, Little Planet actually is more terrestrial than arc is in the sonic series because it like mm-hmm. appears over a lake every hundred years or something i don't know the world of sonic doesn't make any sense insane um but i think that they're yeah it's they're going to go to another planet and they're going to and it, they could actually combine planet wisp with little planet mm-hmm. and it's it's going to be uh trying to, to free another planet and metal sonic's going to be there that's that's my prediction that's a very reasonably good prediction and i think uh you are probably getting pretty close to it you forget, though, that uh, having a <laughs> Is fourth... this turning into a debate? Like, uh, sir, you forget. <laughs> yes, it is. Because okay, you forget let's... that Sonic the Hedgehog 3 looks like it's going to have Shadow and it's going to be pretty cool. Uh-huh. If I'm being honest, it actually might be better than the first two mm-hmm. if they pull off Shadow with any reasonableness. Which means the fourth one is has to be where the series goes downhill and they moops everything up, which is why Sonic the Hedgehog 4 will be about how he travels to space and then meets Amy, and it's a terrible rom-com about <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog and Amy. <laughs> okay, okay, but bringing it back around, sir, you forget, sir, that Amy was first introduced in Sonic CD. That's true, so I guess we're both actually technically right if this happens. <laughs> but uh, why that's really a joke. Uh-huh. Uh, although I could see Hollywood Studios like really dropping the ball and making an entire movie about Sonic finding love and that being like where this series dies. 
Uh, well, I mean, the second movie is about him finding friends, so. Right. It was him finding family, and then it was him finding friends, so maybe the next one is him finding love, which is which is where all of the children's series go to die. Uh, but what I my real legitimate prediction, and this is mm-hmm. going to be a, a more, uh, like, here's an Easter egg I believe will happen. I agree they will go to space, that they will meet other things in space, uh, and that there will be not a full-on uh, like plot point involving, but a subtle reference to a planet of Chows. I believe we will see Chows at some point in the in four, but probably not like have them actually go to a Chow planet. Okay, <laughs> that's gonna be my weirdly specific uh, like guess about four. Is I agree about space travel and Chows will be around somewhere at some point. There will be chows in space. Chows in space. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, this podcast looks like it's going to be about as long as the second movie. Uh, (laughs) I'm sorry, everyone, but this was a really good discussion. So, uh, Nathan, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me, uh, find me over on my YouTube channel, Nathan Blake Games. I've been posting very frequently over there. I recently got way back into it, so you can definitely find me there. And uh, you can find me at Twitter, at Nathan Blake Game. It's no S. One character too many. It's really sad. Uh, but anyway, And yeah, it seems I, like Elon Musk is not going to fix it for us. So. He's not going to fix it for us unless the lawsuit goes one way or the other, and then he does end up fixing it for us. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you can find me over on Twitter. I uh, mostly talk about just whatever's on my mind or about my YouTube channel over there. Uh, sometimes I tell jokes and stuff, too. Uh, and then, yeah, on my YouTube, I play video games. I have a good time, and uh, we talk about how games are art, and that art is important, so games are important. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And as always, you can follow us here at Two Buzzing Crew on the uh, by subscribing to the uh, YouTube channel Two Buzzing Crew. We are also on Twitter. We have a Facebook page as well, and we have a website. Uh, as I mentioned before, where we have plenty of blogs where I have written articles about uh, Sonic Mania and uh, why the uh, Mean Bean Machine segment works but shouldn't. And also, why Shadow the Hedgehog is not as much of a tired-out cliché as you think he is. As well as you can, um, on our website, you can also download uh, my adventure module, Expedition into the Hownell Woods for the Legend of Zelda, uh, the 1D4chan Legend of Zelda RPG system. It is uh, 48 pages of uh, content. It's uh, kind of like a sandbox campaign. It's a really good introduction to the uh, to the system. I tried to include at least an example of every uh, mechanic I could in the game. So it, it helps tutorialize it as well as offering various alternate rules and all of that stuff. And it is 100% free. So go check that out if you like tabletop RPGs. Also... We are always looking for new episode ideas. Um, if there's an old classic game that you would like us to talk about, you know, from you know NES to Switch, Wii U, whatever, just ask us about it. Or a more particular topic that's uh, more general, like our discussions on how to manage backlog or video games and movies. We actually, this is not our first time talking about uh, video game movies, though we were looking at it more in aggregate. Uh, last time. So if uh, you 
you know, if you have anything like that, you can email me at glenn at twobuttoncrew.com. And uh, that's Glenn with one N. Lastly, just thank you for listening to this very, very long podcast. Bye. Sayonara! Watch Trigun, that's what I'm saying.